Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Speaking on the issues that impact Tyler Nixon on TNT. Welcome to the Tyler Nixon Show, my friends, for Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. We have a great show lined up for you with uh, Nate Kane, who is uh, a, a hero, a patriot, in my opinion. He's the uh, Uranium One whistleblower. Uh, he went to the uh, Congress and revealed that the FBI was looking to cover up uh, some intrigue involving, well, Uranium One, if you if you don't know about it, uh, I probably can't. I probably can't uh, bullet point it for you here, but um, basically, it involved uh, uranium um, uh, rights in the United States that were being transferred to Russian entities, uh, and involved the Clintons, the Clinton Foundation, and uh, Robert Mueller. A very se- unseemly affair. And um, my my guest Nate Kane was uh, working as a contractor with the FBI and uh, with um, intelligence organizations uh, at the time, the, uh, at the, towards the end of the Obama administration when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. Well, actually, uh, Kerry was, but um, she was uh, ramping up her run for president, and he saw that the FBI and the uh, top echelon of the FBI were looking to cover up her crimes, basically. And so he, he wasn't having it. He took it to Congress, um, and it's been quite a harrowing tale, and we'll get into that a little bit. But he's a candidate now for uh, Congress in the uh, uh, West Virginia Second District and running against a uh, running against the machine there, and and we'll get into that more. So uh, obviously, uh, Joe Biden's mental condition is becoming more and more of a uh, factor, and more and more sort of in the uh, ether, in the in the news, in the air, and for good reason. Uh, he is uh, he's having more and more of these sort of glitches um and uh syntax errors i guess you could say if you're a uh if you're a uh, tech buff and it's uh it's amazing because david axelrod just came out uh in an interview with uh, michael smirconish and said straight up what i felt all along um although it's contrary to uh the opinions of uh, many people i uh trust and and have uh, looked to, uh, including Roger Stone, he said that Michelle Obama is not, not interested in getting in, into politics, uh, that they felt they gave 10 years of their life to the political scene. And while I'm sure Obama is uh, behind the scenes very much uh, pulling strings in the Biden puppet administration, uh, many of his key people were placed in that administration, that she does not have any interest in running for president or serving. And I can't blame her. I mean, I, this is something that I had felt all along, just as I had felt that Joe Biden will not just be pushed off the Democrat ticket. He will not be pushed out of the presidency. And no matter how demented, deranged and uh, un, unhinged he is, he will not go down without a fight. Uh, he They have too much at stake. The family is, uh, they have business, uh, uh, well, Let's just say that, that there's there's still business going on despite the uh, the freeze on things that's been put uh, in place because of the investigations of Hunter and James Biden and the family generally. But, you know, I don't see Hunter Biden uh, in the poorhouse by any stretch. And then certainly Joe Biden isn't and certainly Jill. Uh, you know, they're 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 enjoying the, the big life in the White House. Joe's always pined for it. Um, unfortunately for Joe, though, I think he's in a, a state of. Um, accelerating dementia or whatever it is, whatever is wrong with him. I mean, he had, he had, an, he had an aneurysm in 1990 
where he had a, a cranial surgery where, as he said, said, they took the top of his head off. And that's true. They exposed his brain. And uh, in order to clear the aneurysms that almost killed him, he was out of the Senate and out of commission for almost a year, maybe, maybe more than a year, if I recall, um, and returned. And I noticed that after he returned, uh, as Joe Biden aged, he became more quirky and eccentric. Um, he was kind of a strange guy as it was, I think, uh, as an inferiority complex, which he masks with uh uh, his his uh, sort of um, bluster and bravado, but um, after that he he became more strange. Um, you know, you, you see the videos of him sniffing hair of uh, and sort of getting very uncomfortably familiar with people, um, particularly women. And um, I think you know you don't know the brain is such an, an incredibly complex organ in our body. Obviously, uh, drives everything we do. You know, an aneurysm, I mean, when you have a, a brain, and for those who don't know, an aneurysm is essentially a weak, um, a weakness in the wall of uh, in any sort of neural uh, or blood vessel or vascular wall that can uh, balloon out. And if an aneurysm pops, basically, it can cause a brain bleed. Uh, it's a very dangerous condition, um, as opposed to like an embolism, when an embolism is a, uh, or an embolus is a a, a blockage by some piece of uh, material or like like cholesterol, things like that, which would block the flow of the uh, blood. In this case, it's just a weakness that can cause brain bleed. And Biden had some serious, uh, serious uh, uh, encounter. Well, he had a serious condition with it. And I don't think he's ever been right since. And unfortunately, I think as you age, you know, you're, he's into his 80s now. The, uh, the effects of those surgeries and that that sort of, uh, I mean, that's just, I mean, seriously uh, invasive. I mean, opening, exposing your brain. I mean, how many people does that happen to? And I think he's, uh, he's it's manifesting in strange ways where I think he's still there. He's still able to be in command of himself and command of his environment in a sense, uh, meaning he's enough to be uh, president, enough to, to sort of give orders and to get up every day and go through the motions. But I think his the higher executive functions involving planning ahead and, and um, sort of scheming in his case and scheming in the case of, of any typical politician in that position. I think that's, um, that's very been very diminished um, because he also also has a very, uh, uh, his, his recall is extremely uh, impinged or is, um, has been hampered. He recently uh, referred to the president of, uh, he referred to Francois Mitterrand, the president of France, instead of Macron. He referred to uh, the president of Mexico when he was talking about the Gaza situation, which has uh, led to some rather hilarious memes on the, uh, on the, in the Twitterverse and on the internet. And um, it, it, it's clear that he has some sort of cognitive, uh, you know, a disability that's, that's ongoing and that's accelerating. But again, until he is literally incapable or an invalid, there's nothing anybody can do about it. And the 25th Amendment would require a major uh, decision amongst his cabinet members and the vice president uh, to, to, to remove him. And I don't know that the Democrats can think they can get away with this because Biden will not go down easily. I don't know what. And, I don't, and as bizarre as it sounds, I don't think that in his state, in his mental state right now, which sort of blocks out, I think, uh, you know, things that don't appeal to him or things that are uh, disturbing to him. 
uh, just as a natural defense mechanism that people would have who are maybe in any uh, de dementia state or declining mental state or cognitive state. He's blocking it out, I think. And that's why he really got up in arms when they when the report came out and questioned his memory, his mental ability, um, which is obvious to anybody. But uh, the fact that he could protest that is not good for those who think they're just going to somehow sunset Joe Biden out of the White House. Uh, because, you know, he is uh, he is clearly capable enough to understand what's going on and enough to dig in. And I don't think they can threaten him. I don't think there's enough they can do to prevail upon him to uh, to step aside or to just bow out. Um, and, you know, they, they're hot on the trail of his corruption, of, his, of the influence peddling. His son is in the crosshairs. Uh, I mean, they really haven't even begun to, to uh, expose that publicly. Uh, other than, of course, through uh, the Marco Polo, Marco Polo, which is uh, my good friend Garrett Ziegler's uh, organization and a, a crack team who dissected Hunter Biden's wayward laptop and just gotten a glimpse into the uh, the depths of corruption, depths of influence peddling, the depths of uh, bribery, solicitation, whatever you want to call it, uh, abuse of power, cashing in basically on public uh, offices. Joe Biden has done at least. Uh, you know, he as a senator, he was uh, he was definitely always money hungry for his campaign coffers. I think towards the end and then into the vice presidency it became a personal enrichment crusade, and uh, he certainly has accomplished that mission. Ten percent to the big guy, and these these investigations um, they're not just going to go away. And particularly if he's and, and it's bizarre because if he left the presidency, they probably would. But I think he feels that he'll be pursued no matter what. So he's got to stay in the presidency to maintain that that power base and the ability uh, and the, the the systemic defenses that come to uh, that, that would uh, coalesce around someone who is the president, regardless of the corruption uh, on a partisan basis, at least. I mean, Democrats are not going to just completely trash Joe Biden. But I mean, the bottom line is, is his presidency has become a disaster um, for the country, as well as, frankly, for the people in the administration and for him. Uh, it, it's just a very unfortunate situation. I always believed when uh, I knew Joe Biden beginning in 1984, going back decades, that he was not of the quality of someone who would ever rise to the presidency. And I don't believe he did. I believe that was a, uh, a rigged uh, stolen election. The election was a fraud. He was uh, not uh, elected. He was installed. And I think the American people have been pretty largely good in terms of choosing someone who, although they may be politically or in, in terms of policy detrimental uh, or disastrous for the country, they at least can make, they, they have the uh, ability and the stature to uh, hold the job and to live up to the role I think Biden may be one of our first presidents, at least in modern times, who fails at that uh, ability to live up to the role because he's uh, he's doddering. He's um, he's just, the, the depth isn't there. He's shallow. He's clearly having cognitive issues. And it's um, it's going to be a, a really a, an asterisk, I think, in history, his presidency, because I don't think it's legitimate from an electoral standpoint. And it certainly has been. Uh, very, very uh, troubling in everything from policy to how he's conducted himself to the corruption, uh, to the partisan rancor, to the censorship and everything in between. Um, and it's interesting, uh, and, and I'll uh, cover this real quick before we get uh, take take a little uh, commercial break and get to our guest. 
but Morning Joe, uh, Joe Scarborough, who was once a Republican, supposedly, allegedly, and I remember working in the uh, the new uh, Republican majority in uh, uh, 1994 to 1995, uh, Newt Gingrich had engineered the takeover of Congress, uh, the House, at least for the first time in 40 years. And Joe Scarborough was a member of the House, and he was part of that uh, team, a little lower on the food chain. But he seemed like he was a team player. I mean, he, he didn't seem like he was uh, someone who would become a completely deranged turncoat and uh, just nonstop, um, just insipid critic of not only Donald Trump, but of the Republican Party and, uh, you know, sort of almost like bitterness. I don't know. I don't know what like broke his brain, but uh, Scarborough is one of the more odious of the MSNBC and, and his wife, Mika Brzezinski. Uh, they 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 just trowel the uh, red meat slop to the uh, the blue meat, I guess you could say, to the uh, to the uh, leftist uh, Democrat masses, uh, uh, the few who watch that show. And it comes as no surprise to me that apparently Joe Biden, according to Axios, that's his favorite show. He watches it every morning, tunes in and with rapt attention every morning, listens to Joe Scarborough. So, folks, is it any wonder that our country is as looks like it could go down the tubes at any moment when the president, who's already demented as it is, has Joe Scarborough, Morning Joe, this this complete clown, uh, this demagogic, uh, bitter, uh, just psychophantic at the same time clown is not only paid uh, rapt attention to by the president. But apparently it's become such a thing that his uh, his uh, aides also have to the president's presidential uh, uh, contingent around him. The people who he immediate in his immediate uh, uh, staff also have to pay attention to this because he'll bring up things from the show. Now, if you've ever uh, put yourself through the torture test of even listening to a portion of that show, it is just the most ridiculous dreck you will ever have fed to you. Uh, and Joe Scarborough is just I mean. He, he's he's supposedly I don't even know what he calls himself a Republican. He's certainly not that. Uh, and he's just this sort of floating outlier um, who's become a Trump hating, uh, bitter goon who um, the things he says, I mean, he, he absolutely is on point with every sort of hoax, every sort of BS lie that's been uh, uh, ginned up about Donald Trump from the Russian collusion to, I mean, and the most outlandish and uh, frankly incendiary stuff. And the fact that Biden listens to him, uh, I think will seal Biden's fate in addition to all these other things that I've mentioned in the 2024 election. I think uh, Donald Trump, barring uh, some sort of ridiculous uh, result in one of these uh, witch trials that's being uh, pursued, which I think are all falling apart, Donald Trump will be elected president this November. And God willing, our country will be returned to some level of normalcy which is ironically what Joe Biden ran on. But now apparently Donald Trump is the preferred candidate of normalcy, as the New York Times had uh, noted just about a month ago. So coming up in the next uh, segment after these uh, these messages, we will have Nate Kane, Virginia, a West Virginia congressional candidate, a good friend of mine. Um, we're going to have a great conversation. You're watching the Tyler Nixon show here on today's News Talk. Stay with us. TNT's Patrick Henningsen. Hamza Dahoud was the eldest son of the Gaza Bureau for Al Jazeera, while Dahoud, who previously lost other family members in Israeli bombing raid. And we would say that this is probably, in terms of conflicts, uh, this many journalists have been lost, uh, killed, injured, 
in the whole of the Second World War, and that lasted uh, a number of years. And only in the last three months are we scraping 100 on the uh, journalist uh, fatality list, which is coming fast and furious out of Gaza. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Plug in. Website. tntradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. Working with Roger Stone, one of the things that I uh, did was to often... Uh, uh, help him or co- co-collaborate with him in writing up uh, different, uh, you know, articles, investigative pieces that he was working on, and uh, we'd sort of bounce them back and forth. And one of the ones that uh, in twenty eighteen, around twenty late late twenty eighteen, that that I had uh, written was uh, a redux or a uh, regurgitation, whatever you want to call it, a review of the Uranium One affair. And this was shocking to me because I, I think few people knew about this about the. Uh, the, the sale of uh, uranium rights um, to uh, a Russian state, well, a Russian connected, if not uh, Russian state controlled uh, entity. And this required the approvals of multiple cabinet uh, uh, secretaries and under the Obama administration. And of course, the Clintons were neck deep in it. Even uh, Robert Mueller was part of it. Um, and there was a uh, brave, a very brave, intrepid uh, uh, contract uh, uh contract technologist, I guess, and, and he can describe himself, who saw what was going on from the inside and was having none of it. He saw that this was corruption. This was selling out our country. This was treason, if not uh, certainly felony crimes. And uh, he blew the whistle to Congress and has been paying the price probably ever since. But his integrity is intact. He's a good man. He's running for Congress in West Virginia in the second district. Nate Kane, welcome to the Tyler Nixon Show. It's great to have you with with us, my friend. Hey, Tyler, thank you for having me on. So, Nate, I just, just was I accurate or somewhat accurate in my description there? No, I would say that was very accurate. You know, it uh, unfortunately, it was a, a dark uh, time in my life. Um, you know, I was working at the Bureau was actually was, you know, the highest paid job I'd ever had. Uh, it was something that I was extremely proud of the work that I was doing there. And, you know, I was a uh, a cybersecurity subject matter expert hired by the FBI to help deploy their vulnerability management system, you know, FBI wide. But uh, one day I came in and overheard a conversation and words like treason were being thrown around and things were being said. And uh, people had seen transcripts of a conversation with, you know, people on the seventh floor, the senior leadership at the FBI, that they had evidence and they were going to, you know, basically make the whole investigation go away. So I didn't necessarily believe it, but I went and I looked. Sure enough, I found they had a ton of evidence. And uh, so I ended up at first not really thinking much of it. I thought that the rumors about making it go away were, you know, just that rumors because they had three separate field offices that were investigating basically money laundering, public corruption, securities and exchange fraud and terrorism financing. Uh, as it related to Clinton and several of her co- her cohorts. Uh, but it became obvious to me when uh, Comey went out in front of 
the Jagger Hoover building and gave that press conference. And he said, you know, basically laid out a whole litany of of uh, essentially what should have been uh, espionage charges uh, with, you know, all of the classified information that was found on Hillary Clinton's email server. And he said that no reasonable prosecutor would bring a case against her. The problem was, is that there were seven email chains in that email server. You know, this was a personal email server that was found in the basement bathroom of her Chappaquiddick home. Uh, certainly not anything cleared for holding and maintaining classified information, but there were seven email chains, according to Comey himself, that had special access programs. These are above top secret. We call them SAPs in the industry. And uh, I've only in my life, I've had a top secret clearance for you know 27 years. And in that time, I've been read on to maybe you know, a handful of programs in that entire time, you know, with a top secret clearance. So it is a, a very, very uh, highly sensitive, you know, type of data that is in a SAP. And so the fact that she even had it on a personal email server uh, indicates that she had to great measure to get it out of there. Right, right. And, and I mean, the implications of this are this opened these most sensitive programs up to being hacked by the Russians, anybody, anybody who could hack yeah. a, a simple email server. Now, you know, Nate, let me ask you this because I've always been curious. Um, was there anyone in that you any communications you detected? And I don't want to in any way put you on the spot to discuss anything that you're not comfortable discussing, but I'll ask anyway. Didn't anyone push back against that within the organization that you saw saying like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you can't let this woman off the hook or or even just anything in the form of resistance against what was uh, brewing as a uh, an excusal of patent corruption, if not treason. No, in fact, uh, I saw no evidence at all that anybody was pushing back against this. In fact, um, when I saw that that press conference, that's when I knew that the rumors about them, you know, getting ready to shut down the investigation were likely true, and that they were going to cover it up. In fact, uh, I ended up. Uh, at that point, you know, that was when I made the decision I needed to do something about it. And I remember coming home that night and I was laying in bed and my wife looked over at me and she could tell something was wrong because I was not my normal talkative self. And she said, what's going on with you? Why are you so quiet? And I said, I, I told her, I said, I think I'm going to have to blow the whistle on the FBI. And she immediately sat up in bed and said, what? And her <laughs> first, you know, her first words out of her mouth was, why does it have to be you? Yeah. And my response to her was, if not me, then who is going, you know, who's going to do something about this? I don't think anybody will. And I said, what if God put me here at the FBI just for that reason, you know, to be, you know, the 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 light to shine on this? And uh, so, you know, at that at that point, um, you know, I went down a, a very long road of, uh, you know, several meetings, several clandestine meetings, um, you know, carrying classified information outside of the FBI, handing it over to proper authorities, which is why I still hold my clearance today and why I was never charged. But uh, without a doubt, I was retaliated against. And in the end, you know, unfor unfortunately, the only person that paid a price was myself. But as you mentioned, you know, at least I know that my integrity was intact. And at the end of the day, I feel like I passed the test. So, you know, I don't know um, if there will ever be justice for what was done. Uh, certainly, you know, there was um, money laundering that was going on. Like I said, terrorism financing. Uh, there was, you know, public corruption involved in all of this. 
and a lot of unsavory nations that were funneling money through multiple charities into the Clinton Foundation. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that corruption exists to this day. Uh, and I think, I, you know, I've seen it now, uh, you know, or at least uh, the hints of it or evidence of it in multiple, um, you know, in, in multiple politicians' backgrounds. And Peter Schweitzer has done a very good job of writing some books, you know, on that effect, uh, you know, talking about the uh, money laundering and the things that have gone on. We know now about the Biden's money laundering involving China. And, uh, you know, in the payoffs in, involving not just China, but also the Ukraine and other things. And I would not be surprised to find out that this is going on on both sides of the aisle and that there is a, you know, a good number of, you know, members of Congress that are controlled either through bribery or through blackmail. I've been talking about this for a number of years and I've been very concerned about it. And so to me, if you don't have integrity, then you have nothing because, that is the only thing that can protect you in the end, you know, from being controlled by somebody else and by these, you know, by this cabal of, you know, of bad actors within our own government. Well, it's like plata o plomo. Is that the, the phrase? It's a like letter gold. And it seems that, uh, you know, either you're going to be you're either going to be bribed and uh, entreated into joining that uh, that bunch or you're going to be blackmailed or eliminated. Worst if you if they if you won't play ball. And I'm sure, as you know, I've, as you've said before, I mean, you faced, uh, you, you've uh, had your brakes, brake lines cut. You, I mean, you, you came down with an almost deathly illness, and uh, you know, your life was put in jeopardy. And you did this, and and I, I firmly believe you're right that God put you there, because who else? I mean, uh, you know, out of all the people in this institutionalized corruption, and from what you're telling me, this isn't a matter of a few bad actors. I mean, this is systematic. And, it is. you know, you, yeah. And you basically <laughs> happen to be someone who was not going to be corrupted, not going to be part of that corruption. And, you know, what are the odds of that? I mean, I think probably very slim because they, you know, when they, as you get further into the rings of secrecy or within the inner sanctum sanctorum and, and get access to this stuff, people get weeded out, I think, who are problematic along the way, especially in a corrupt organization like that. So, um, well, they, we're going to take a quick little news bulletin here for about uh, a minute. Um, and on the other side of that, we're going to get into uh, discussing your campaign. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you're watching the Tyler Nixon show here on today's news talk. Now, 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 now. news, big news, TNT radio news. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The U.S. Senate, led by Democrats, passed a $95 billion international security assistance package, which allocates approximately $60 billion in aid for Ukraine. The bill saw a bipartisan effort, with a group of Republican lawmakers joining Democrats to achieve a 70-29 to 29 vote in favor. Israeli forces have unveiled a tunnel network running partially beneath the UN Relief and Work Agency's headquarters in Gaza, showcasing Hamas's alleged misuse of the main Palestinian Relief Agency's facilities. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24-7, 365, we never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk, this is TNT Radio. My guest today on the Tyler Nixon show, Nate Kane, 
a, uh, a hero, in my opinion, a patriot, a whistleblower, and now a congressional candidate in West Virginia. And I, I can't I can't overstate uh, the courage, the bravery that it takes. I mean, and, and it's laughable, the FBI fidelity, bravery, integrity, whatever they've said. It's very sad. But, uh, you know, Nate took on not only uh, the organization of you know the the FBI, the infrastructure, and the people involved in the Clinton cover-up, but the Clinton, uh, what do you want to call it, the Clinton crime syndicate, the Clinton mafia as well. So I mean, these are two very powerful. Either one of those could rub you out like nothing. I'm sure if they really wanted to. So Nate, I'm going to ask you just real quick, just give us the quick one minute on each of the uh, the worst experiences that you suffered. I, I know, like I, I said earlier, you had uh, faced death or or some sort of uh, peril because it, it was clearly not just an accident or not happenstance. I'm going to ask you to just detail those. And then also, what what do you think should become of the FBI? Does it need to be abolished, replaced? What can we do? What will you do as Congressman from West Virginia? You know, that, maybe that's a good question. Um, so I'll start with, you know, just the issue of what happened to me afterwards was, uh, you know, there, there was it was multifaceted, I guess you could say. Uh, there was one agent in particular who you know, made it his personal vendetta to go after me. And when, you know, I started to, you know, essentially question why I should be so cooperative because they clearly were trying to set me up. Um, I decided that I was no longer going to cooperate and I wanted him to talk to my attorney. And uh, he decided to, you know, take matters into his own hands. And, you know, he basically went after me when he couldn't get anything on me. He ended up going after my kids. Uh, it caused a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety in my family. Um, then, you know, if that wasn't bad enough with the FBI, uh, the information that I turned over, it had to, you know, involved, of course, uh, like you mentioned, the Clinton crime syndicate, it also involved Russian intelligence agents. And so there were some very dangerous people involved in this information. I had protection from, uh, in total anonymity from the, uh, inspector general's office, but somebody at the FBI leaked my name to the New York times, which oh, no. outed me. And obviously that put my life at risk. And the next thing that happened, um, you know, which happened a couple of months later was I got poisoned. And, uh, you know, I ended up getting poisoned with some sort of uh, powder that was uh, laced on my desk in my office down in DC. Uh, normally my office door was, you know, left open and unlocked, even though, you know, cause we were inside of a, another area and cleaning crews would come through. And uh, I walked in uh, one day and there was dust on my desk after my door was locked, which was unusual. So mm -hmm. I had to get the spare key because I normally didn't even bring my key. And I got in there and uh, brushed off the, this powder on my desk. And next thing you know, I went into AFib. Oh, my um, God. The next thing that happened, I had a number of tests that were done, uh, a, a whole host of tests that were done. Um, but they were able to not, they weren't able to find anything. In fact, I had, uh, my arteries were pristine. I had no plaque in my arteries at all. Um, the next thing that happened was uh, about with, I want to say it was within the same month. Um, I went down to my car, which was parked in a underground parking garage, but it was open. You know, anybody could have walked in. There was no cameras down there. And I walked down and reached up under my door handle and there was a moist, oily liquid under yes. my door handle. Uh, I didn't think anything of it at first. In fact, I didn't realize I had been poisoned until six weeks later. Um, but I ended up uh, within an hour, ended up in the emergency room having stroke symptoms. Good and um, I had, again, a battery of tests done. 
they sent me to a specialist. Uh, he did a whole lot of tests, MRIs, MRIs with and without contrast, EEG, ultra, uh, ultrasound on my carotid arteries. Everything came back negative, but I had full-blown stroke symptoms and ataxia, um, couldn't walk in a straight line, uh, had difficulty speaking and, you know, slurred speech, you know, that lasted, like I said, six weeks. And then eventually, finally, things started to get back to normal. Um, and we were, you know, it, it was at the time of my last meeting with my neurologist. And I asked him, I said, what, what do you think is causing this? He goes, look, I'll be honest with you, I've only had one other patient in my entire career of 56 years, you know, doing neurology. And he said, and your job, quite frankly, doesn't, you know, doesn't make any sense for this. And I said, well, what did the other guy do? And he said, well, he worked for an industrial chemical plant and he touched <laughs> some chemicals with his bare hands. That's when all of a sudden it dawned on me because it was that day that I reached under my door handle. And I, I just thought maybe something dripped from, you know, the ceiling or yeah. splashed yeah. up under it or something. And, you know, somebody spilled something on my car, but um, clearly, you know, there was some sort of neurotoxin that was sprayed under my door handle. That's so, just... you know. I, I eventually uh, contacted the Carlson Institute out in Colorado, got in touch with a tech out there, sent him my charts, and he confirmed, you know, all the symptoms that I had and that my charts would show exactly the way they showed. There was 14 different chemicals that could do exactly that. And he said that um, those are the ones that are known. But he says if it was nation state, the likelihood is, is that they would never know what it is. They would just have unknown substance. Yeah. So um, at that point, the next thing that occurred was uh, happened about a month later. We had a trip that we were going down to Kentucky and, you know, we had been talking, you know, freely on, you know, emails and, and phone and stuff like that. And um, obviously somebody had been listening to our conversation. Uh, I found evidence of a drone outside my house. Uh, it had just lightly snowed. There was no footprints at all to or from three circular, you know, like a tripod that had clearly landed in my backyard. And uh, there was no footprints to it or away from it. It was right after a fresh snow. Um, but, you know, we had surveillance that was going on. I don't know who, if it was the FBI or if it was, you know, other intelligence agencies, I'm not sure. All I know is that I ended up um, leaving on that trip and I heard, you know, this funny noise coming from the front of the car. I pulled over, we stopped, you know, I figured, well, you know, we'll stop and get gas. and you know, use a, use the restroom. And I got out and walked around to the passenger side of my vehicle and the lug nuts were loosened all the way out to the end. Only one lug nut was holding on that wheel. And, uh, you know, we were doing 80 miles an hour, you know, it's a 70 mile, you know, an hour highway. And so I was doing 80 and, uh, had that wheel come off, that would have been the front passenger side wheel. I probably would be dead. So at this point, you know, I, I decided, I did not feel safe anymore. And so I went to go, you know, um, I wanted to go get it, get my concealed carry. And Maryland at the time was a May issue state and uh, they weren't having it. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm out of here. Yeah. And so we moved our family and, and got out of there and, you know, moved to West Virginia where they actually respect your Second Amendment rights. And uh, so that's how we ended up here. Uh, and we moved here in uh, 2000. Uh, took a little while to close on our house, but we finally got here and, uh, and it was a, I think, you know, I've never looked back. It's been the greatest move ever. Uh, well, uh, just an incredible story. I, I mean, what you've been through, it's 
I, it boggles my mind because, uh, you know, I guess as a, as a person who is ethical, a decent, good natured, good hearted, God fearing person, you don't think like, oh, you know, I'm, you don't think along the lines of these people. So if there's dust on your desk, you're not thinking, holy crap, these people are trying to kill me. But I mean, it had to be it had to be a shock. I mean, to, your, to, to, to just realize what that these people are literally trying to kill me and they're and that they're this underhanded and insidious. It's, it's really it's, it's diabolical. It's shocking. Uh, but Nate, we're going to take a, a little commercial break here. And on the other side, I want to get into some more positive stuff. Certainly your campaign for Congress, uh, God willing, you're uh, elected by the people of West Virginia and you can begin to vindicate yourself uh, and vindicate justice uh, for all this that's been done to you. Just, I mean, for, forget all the larger corruption you exposed. I guess, uh, you know, there's maybe a higher form of justice that will come for uh, come for the perpetrators of that uh, of those crimes. So you're watching the Tyler Nixon show here on today's news talk. Stay with us. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Last week, Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, testified before Congress and talked all about the threat that China poses to us. And it was downright frightening. The CCP's dangerous actions, China's multi-pronged assault on our national and economic security make it the defining threat of our generation. Now, when I described the CCP as a threat to American safety a moment ago, I meant that quite literally. There has been far too little public focus on the fact that PRC hackers are targeting our critical infrastructure. Seemingly everything we need to survive. Our water treatment plants, our electrical grid, our oil and natural gas pipelines, our transportation systems, and the risk that poses to every American requires our attention now. And get this, we even have a time frame for this impending disaster. The budgets that emerge from discussions underway now will dictate what kind of resources we have ready in 2027, a year that as this committee knows all too well, the CCP has circled on its calendar. Oh, we have three years to neutralize this existential threat. Don't you feel better? I don't. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday right here on TNT. Whatever happens to good, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot and it's become our automatic answer to so much. Hey, how's things? Good. Your mom, your weekend? Good, good. Is good even that good anymore? At the Salvos, we believe good deserves better. Let's reclaim its true meaning. To us, good has always been about making a difference and good never picks or chooses who it helps. Isn't it time we all remember what good really means? This is the Tyler Nixon Show. Today's news talk, TNT. Well, TNT is always right on point. Uh, you just saw a little bit of blurb of Christopher Ray testifying on the great Steve Malzberg show. And, uh, you know, it, it really, I have to say, I feel safer because all of, you know, the grandmas and uh, hapless people who stumbled into the Capitol on uh, January 6th have been apprehended and are being persecuted, oh, excuse me, prosecuted uh, and sent away for prison uh, to prison, such as, uh, you know, Stuart Rhodes, Enrique Tarrio getting, what, 22 years. I feel I feel much safer now. And meanwhile, if you've if you've seen this in the news, uh, this um, McGonagall 
the FBI agent who was essentially doing the bidding uh, as a paid agent of Russian oligarchs investigating people. You know, I mean, it wasn't he wasn't working for a foreign state, but he was certainly working for powerful foreign actors. Um, was only sentenced to 50 months, I believe it was in prison. Uh, but like I said, you know, you're not even present at January 6th and you get 22 years. Uh, Nate, give us a little uh, just a comment on that, on, on the on the treatment of the January 6th uh, defendants and the FBI's uh, total corruption and, and one of their own getting uh, a, essentially a slap on the wrist relatively for uh, colluding and being paid by a Russian oligarch. Yeah, I think uh, anybody that has any common sense whatsoever can see that we have a two-tiered system of justice. Uh, and the problem is, you know, with that is that the FBI has been weaponized. The Department of Justice has been weaponized against the American people, but particularly against those that support Donald Trump. And that is a fact. And anybody who disagrees with that, uh, they are either drinking something, you know, or smoking something, or they are just not admitting to the truth. The fact is, is it's easy to see because like you said, uh, they've they've had the largest bust that they've had ever, you know, of rounding up over a thousand arrests that have been made since January 6th. And for and not a single one of them, by the way, has been charged with insurrection because it did not meet the standards of insurrection. It was a riot. It was a you know protest that got out of control by a handful of people. And those that actually walked into the Capitol largely walked into the Capitol because the police let them in. And we know that now, too. And uh, the sad part is, is that, and this was something that, you know, some of these uh, FBI whistleblowers, uh, Steve Friend, for example, and, you know, he came forward and blew the whistle on this, showing that the FBI had actually pulled him off an actual real uh, child pornography case where they were trying to take down a child pornography ring. And they actually shut down their investigation into it to pull in their team into Washington, D.C. to go after grandmas that walked around in the Capitol for 15 minutes. It, it is atrocious what is going on. Our founders would be rolling in their graves at what they're seeing today. But this is exactly what our founders warned us about, the tyranny of the state. And this is exactly why I do not support Section 702 of FISA. Uh, being in the hands of the FBI, a domestic agency, they should not have access to those types of, you know, intelligence tools. Uh, it's clear they violated it multiple times. I've talked about this before that you have a federal judge that said that over 276,000 times Americans were spied on, mostly as it relates to January 6th, but also some of the people involved in George Floyd. Uh, protests. So this is a bipartisan issue, and it's something that the American people better wake up. You know, these agencies, they work for us, not the other way around. And they are beholden to the Constitution of the United States. But when they're not following the law, who is holding them accountable? So far, no one. I mean, well, we in fact, you've got, yeah, you've got Congress basically rewarding them for their behavior by giving them, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars so that they can build a much bigger FBI headquarters, it's going to be bigger than the, the Pentagon. You have them being rewarded by having uh, Section 702 of FISA extended for another eight months during an election season. Why in the world would they do that? This is why I question how many of our members of Congress are actually being blackmailed or have been, you know, bribed. It yeah, really threatened in some way. In any way. That's right. Well, That's you know, right. it's, it, you saw you saw Christopher Ray admit 
to Senator Mike under questioning by Senator Mike Lee before the Senate Judiciary Committee that uh, he said there were instances where they were required to get a warrant for to obtain certain information uh, in, in various investigations. And he said, well, how many times did you apply to get a warrant? And these I think it was one hundred and two cases. And he said, none, none. They didn't apply for the warrant. They just, you know, That's unlawfully, right. illegally, criminally, in my in my view, I mean, because these are criminally pro- prohibited uh uh, uh, statute. I mean, statutes right. uh, provide criminal penalties for these kind of stuff. I mean, right. if you're, you know, uh, uh, someone leaks, uh, someone has leaves a, a classified document lying around in the military or something, they're screwed to the wall. Uh, yeah. You know, and these guys are running well, around you get away like with that if you're Hillary Clinton. Yeah, you exactly. Server. You know, it's remember, really it's at the, same, at the same time they let Hillary Clinton go with you know not even a slap on the wrist for that. Uh, you know, they arrested and threw in prison a sailor who did yeah. nothing more than take Submariner, a picture of right? birth. That's right. Submariner took a picture of the birthing, you know, basically where they sleep. That's it. Mm-hmm. He took a picture of that, posted online. He ended up getting thrown in prison for that. Hillary Clinton, on the other hand, had above top secret documents on an email server. And I spoke to, you know, multiple friends of mine, you know, in, in uh, the agency. And, you know, we talked about it and we're like, there's only one reason for this server to exist. It was a Dropbox. I believe that she was actually selling out our country and i do believe that there was you know that there was likely uh some form you know some form of uh you know espionage going on where she was selling secrets what you gotta wonder i mean look look at all the money that flew uh, flew flowed into the clinton foundation i mean come on what were these people really providing that's right let's not forget director ray or no i'm sorry comey had admitted that there were there was foreign uh state actors that had accessed that server no question. So, uh, well, yeah, Nate, I mean, we've uh, we, we've sort of gone down the uh, the road to perdition with these uh, just appalling instances of corruption and the the rot. I mean, it's just it's so bad, uh, and it's really almost it mind boggling because because of what we're up against. I mean, these are very powerful agencies, and most of all, what you know, you mentioned the the you know seven hundred two. I mean, when the law doesn't suit them, they'll just be disregarded because who's going to enforce it against them, right? So it's like, it's kind of, I mean, it's scary even beyond what they're, the laws that they're skirting or the ones that they just don't even recognize. They'll just do whatever they want. They'll go bully and if they, if they can't uh, sort of lawyer and legalistic uh, argue their way around whatever it is they're trying to uh, subvert or circumvent. So, you know, I, I've, again, your bravery is beyond admirable, my friend. Um, you know, I'm honored to have you on the show. So I want to talk about your campaign in the last uh, you know, 10 minutes here we have. And I want you to talk about um, what, what your experience is out on the ground, what you've learned um, and what, you know, how, how this experience has been for you. So, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a bitter, bittersweet thing to run for office. Um, I am running as a grassroots candidate and, uh, you know, and, you know, and I'll be honest, you know, lar- largely because I have no other choice because in order to, to get the funding necessary in order to run a typical, what I would call a classical campaign, the things that you have to do are unethical. And that's what I'm finding out is that, you know, campaigning is where it starts. Where does the corruption in government begin? It begins, you know, with the, you know, the political class system that we have in our country, the donor class, the, you know, the, the, all of these special interest groups and, you know, these uh, uh, basically PACs and super PACs that are donating to campaigns. 
uh, many of them corporate PACs. Honestly, that is one of the most corrupting things that I have seen in this whole process of running for election. And then when it comes down to things like getting endorsements and finding out that there are some people uh, who will only give you their endorsement if you pay them for it, uh, that is corrupt. I don't understand how that's not bribery, but yet it goes on all the time. And of course, I'm and, talking and this about- touches on media access too. When when you have a state yeah, like West Virginia, you don't have a plethora of a no. diversity of media outlets. Well, you're stuck with whatever people read the low, what whatever the one paper local is. Local newspapers is probably the biggest source of information that people get that vote in primaries. You know, most of the people voting in a primary are over age 55. And so if you don't have access to money and if you don't have access to the media because you're being blocked and I've seen this, it's happened to me uh, and you have no, you know, no other uh, means but going directly to the donors, you know, to, to ask for help. Uh, what ends up happening is in a way it's a good thing because it's forced me to be a good candidate. It's forced me to actually get out there and talk to the people to you know, press the flesh, as they say, to listen to people. And on a positive note, one of the things that has been surprisingly refreshing is the people. When I get out there and talk to the people, they are so used to the <laughs> typical corrupt politician that they know is just going to tell them what their itching ears want to hear at that moment. But the moment they get elected, they'll never see them again. And so when they see somebody like me who's available, who listens, who actually starts working on trying to solve problems now before I even get elected, uh, there are a lot of people who are praying for me, that are encouraging me, that are supporting me. And uh, and I can tell you uh, that has been the most rewarding part of this is that, you know, my wife and I, as we've gone around talking to people, we've made you know, some friends that are going to be friends for life. And we've been able to focus on serving, you know, our community and serving our state. Um, I just found out today, in fact, that um, a bill that we authored, my campaign authored, and I say my campaign because, you know, even though I wrote a good portion of it, the fact is, is that I got my volunteers together and they helped me with it. And then I went to my campaign lawyer and he helped me as a constitutional attorney and and we wrote a parent's bill of rights which we then submitted as proposed legislation to the state legislature and even though i'm not running for state office this was something the people were asking for and so we decided to go ahead and do it why not and then we went down and we i got my volunteers to go down and lobby it and we actually were able to get it uh supported and now it is uh it is going through right now the judiciary uh, it's likely going to get voted on tomorrow to get passed out of the judiciary. And, uh, you know, the lawyers are going through it and making sure that everything is squared away with it. Um, but, you know, we're very close to having an actual parents bill of rights in this state, uh, which will resolve a lot of the problems that we've been just, you know, dealing with. And a lot of parents, quite honestly, have been concerned about protecting their children. So it's very exciting to see things like that, because no matter what happens in this election, I know that at the end of the day, everything will have been worth it 100%. But I am still hopeful and I am praying that God will help me get in front of people and help that message resound and get out there to people, uh, you know, by word of mouth. And that's what's happening. What Everywhere we go, we are finding and meeting more and more people that have heard of me because of hearing that, you know, about me from either a family member or, you know, somebody at their church or somebody that they know. And that is worth way more than any number of direct mailers I could do or any number of, 
you know, uh, advertisements that I could put out there. You know, when somebody hears about somebody else that, you know, uh, hears about a candidate from somebody they already know and trust, I think that's worth a lot more. And at the end of the day, you know, my goal is to serve the people of West Virginia. It's to serve this country once again. And, uh, and I can tell you, I've already proven myself and I already know that. No you know, question. Uh, you mentioned about being, you know, brave, but the truth is, is that it's not really bravery. Where it comes from is I have a deep seated faith in God and I have a deep seated fear of God. And I know that someday I'm gonna stand before my maker and I'm gonna be held accountable, not only for the evil things that I've done in this life, but also held accountable for the things that I didn't do, that I had the opportunity to do that were righteous. And so that is why I am the way I am. That is what drives me. Uh, it is what pushes me forward. To be honest with you, the last thing that I wanted to do was run for political office at this time of my life. You know, I should be enjoying, you know, uh, finally having my own company and, uh, you know, it being, you know, somewhat successful. Having that all behind you, basically. Yes. Yes, and, and, you know, and, you're and not no longer an extra threat to them. That's right. Enjoying anonymity. But no, instead, uh, I'm willing to risk my life and risk everything because at the end of the day, you know, again, all it, everything we experience in this life, it's only here for a brief moment and the rest of it is going to be before God. So we can make ourselves comfortable all we want, but when the world is corrupt and corroded, uh, and godless. I mean, what's what's the point? Why, you know, who wants to be in this world if it's if it's that uh, that degenerate? And uh, you know, you're you're definitely a beacon. And I'm, I'm glad you ran because I I would never have uh, we would have never met and, and come to know each other and become. I consider you a friend. And, and Nate, you can Likewise. call on me anytime, anytime, day or night, my friend. Uh, you know, just just pick up the phone. I'm I'm there. And um, you know, you're doing God's work. Uh, and you're doing the work of, uh, frankly, the Constitutional Republic and what the founders envisioned um, of a, an ethical, free people, uh, self-governing and, and uh, under principles that are uh, you know, natural rights, that are God-given rights that cannot be taken away by the state, uh, cannot be diminished by any man or any institution. And you stand for those. And that's why you, you get the response you do out on the hustings. I firmly believe this um, because you're genuine. And look, at you're already making a difference. I mean, look at this just from your campaign in, in the West Virginia legislature. You're, you're, you're making a difference with this, uh, the Family uh, Parents Bill of Rights. I mean, that, that's huge. So yeah. I would urge you, don't, don't you know, losing an election doesn't mean that, uh, as uh, Roger Stone is fond of quoting Richard Nixon, he said, you know, you don't, uh, you're, you don't, uh, you're not defeated when you, when, you're, when you lose, you know, when you lose an election, you're defeated when you quit. And I know you're someone who will stick with it because this is the world you have to live in, your kids have to live in, and uh, and you're doing it for uh, for a greater purpose than yourself. And and what other uh, what other cause could be greater or more rewarding than that? So, um, uh, quick parting thoughts, Nate. We got about uh, thirty seconds. Sure. You know, I would just suggest and, and encourage others, you know, that are out there and that are saying, "Hey, what can I do?" You know, the fact is, is that. There is something that all of us can do, whether it's running for office or it's supporting a candidate like myself, you know, that is trying to do the right thing. Uh, that is something that, you know, people can help with. Where can they um, find you? Where can we find you on the uh, So the best yeah. place is uh, Nate Kane for WV.com. That's N-A-T-E-C-I-N, the number four, 
wv.com. You can follow right, Nate. Uh, me on that platform and you can also donate there as well. Thanks so much, folks. Thanks for joining us on TNT. TNT.